1: Welcome into to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Matt Preem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Today, it's a little bit off schedule. Today's a Thursday when we're recording this podcast, but uh, the spring game is on Saturday. We wanted ample time to let this show breathe and have its opportunity for you guys, the listener or the watcher, uh, or viewer, I guess, uh, to consume the news. And we're going to run through our previews, our storylines. We're going to make some predictions like we always do for a game because it's the Oregon Spring Game. Uh, Saturday, 1 o'clock kick, Pac-12 Network, Yogi Roth. Uh, we know Yogi Roth will be on the call. I don't know who's doing the play-by-play. I haven't seen that yet. Um, we'll all be there in person covering this game. Um, and let's just dive in right into this, guys. Uh, teams were made Wednesday night, were, were announced, I should say. Um, I won't run through the teams unless Eric wants to do that himself. Cause that's a <laughs> lot of names. That's way too many uh, names, Matt. No, I'm okay. We'll just way too many names, uh, but there's some storylines to watch from it. Now, looking at the rosters, looking at the spring game as its whole, um, I'll start off first year. And this one, I, I didn't want to steal one specific area from either one of you guys. And I'll be honest. Maybe I, I took the easy way out on this one, but there's like, Thirty new guys on this team, um, and so for me, the storyline is just an opportunity. It's a blanket statement, just to see what these new guys look like on the field because we've seen some. opportunity, we, We've had some opportunities to watch a little bit of fastball here and there, some maybe some individual drills here and there, but we haven't seen like Jordan Birch line up against. I know this wouldn't really happen all the time, but like a genie, uh, a genie Cornelius, you know, and just go full bull. And full go, everyone's going at it. Um, we haven't really seen that yet. Um, we haven't seen Austin Novosad throw during uh, live situations, really. We've seen like one fastball with him in there or two fastballs. Um, so it, it's a blanket statement. But for me, it's just there's a lot of new faces. Half the team is going to be new, essentially, out there. And just getting our first look at what these guys can do, what these guys can't do, and where they're playing.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll tie in on that. I, I will say, if you are curious on the roster, we have it up on duckterritory.com, the splits. There's a yellow team versus a green team. That's the format. Um, we should also note it's going to be a game and running clock, which means it will be maybe a quick afternoon over at Otson. No, to your point, Matt. Like that's kind of goes right into where I'm going. Um, you're just a little more broad. Mine's maybe a little more focused. I'm I'm curious on just the defensive reshuffling. I think that's a big part of this, and kind of building off of something I thought was interesting that Noah Whittington said a couple of days ago about the defense. And just a year ago, he said if you were to watch a spring practice. Oregon's offense was just running all over the defense. They had a ton of success, and we saw that last year. In the spring game, I would think we can all agree the offense probably had a little better day than the defense. And, of course, over the course of last season, it was pretty clear which unit was stronger, right? Uh, You know, the Oregon offense helped Oregon win games while the Oregon defense probably got in its way a couple of times in the losses, and certainly, um, you know, we we all know what happened in Corvallis. But I, I think hearing Whittington's optimism and then looking at how they've reshuffled this it, it, I just am very curious to see how all of this looks on Saturday. And again, we're not going to have massive takeaways from a spring game in, at the end of April, you know, in terms of what it means during the season, but we'll, it'll give us an idea. Like, you know, we talked on this podcast, you know, Matt just mentioned all these new players. Like we haven't seen, as he said, Jordan Birch really do much of anything. Um, we haven't seen Taishim Johnson play. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of these guys, Kyrie Jackson. We haven't seen Evan Williams. We haven't seen Justin Jacobs. I could go on and on. There's a bunch of, them. those are just the portal guys. And then you have the, you know, they have the Mateo Uyanglales and, and some of these two freshmen. There, there are so many young players there. But then there's also, and we've talked about this, I think, quite a bit recently, like Jamal Hill's playing a new spot. Triquist Bridges, we don't know if he's going to be, you know, lining up at safety or if he's going to be lining up at corner. Um, you know, they've been reshuffling a lot of the positions here, I, I think, with pretty clear intentions to try to get better against the pass. Um, and I'll be very curious just to see how all of that looks on Saturday and just to get an early indication of kind of like, OK, maybe there's some guys here. Maybe some of these players playing in different spots would be interesting. We should note on the uh, roster split. It's not like ones V2s. It is. It looks like it was. I can't say how the teams were determined. I know that they <laughs> because Dan didn't want to get into it. And I asked a poorly worded question that that allowed him to uh, give him a yes or no answer. And he chose to go. Yes. But clearly, these aren't like ones V2s. This looks like a pretty even split. So I say that to be clear that like we're not going to get to see a projection of what this top defense would look like going against Oregon's top offense on Saturday. But we will get an idea of like how some of these pieces might fit together, um, you know, depending upon how sorry everything comes together. So I, I'm, I'm very curious on that angle, too.
2: I don't blame you. That's a good pick. Uh, I'm going to go on the inverse of that. I'm going to go with the offense uh, because while while the spring game is always exciting, I don't feel like there's a ton of storylines uh, going into it. But certainly the offense and the new offensive coordinator and Will Stein and what that looks like uh, is going to be one of them. And, you know, we've heard a lot of good things about the offense from players on either offensive or defensive sides of the football. And how creative it is Um, and it sounds like it's very similar to what it was last season with Kenny Dillingham who had the reins and who is now Arizona State's head coach so I'm interested to see just how similar it is and unfortunately this game is not ones v twos or ones v ones or ones v threes or whatever the case may be and it's a split inter-squad scrimmage which kind of stinks because you're not going to see the best go against the best because Dan doesn't want us to have any fun, and we haven't seen fastball all season long. We've only seen it once, and absolutely nothing happened. The only thing that was remarkable that came away was Jamal Hill playing linebacker, but I digress. Regardless, the green team will have Bo Nix at the helm, and he will have some options. He will have some weapons, and that will be the uh, really interesting part of the scrimmage, I think, from an offensive standpoint, because as we all expect, Bo Nix will probably be the starting quarterback on September 2nd or third or whatever the day is that Oregon plays Portland State to open the season. Um, and he has Austin said on his green team as well, so I think that'll be fun. But Ty Thompson is also a guy who has been here for a couple of years. He's gotten some high praise from Dan and other players on the team during the spring camp. Um, I'll be interested to see what the offense looks like in terms of its functionality, in terms of its packages, in terms of how it looks compared to last season, because If it is very similar to last season, which is what a lot of players have said, and even Junior Adams, a wide receiver coach, has kind of said that by accident, that's fine by me. This was still an unbelievable offense last year. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, And then lastly, I'm interested to see how it does against the defense because if the defense is new and improved, I want to take note into that. I don't want to come out there and say, well, the offense stunk because they didn't do – you know, they didn't score a touchdown every single trip out there. I want to come away saying, you know, those were good plays. Those were good structures. Those were good concepts. Uh, the defense just started to make some plays and, then you know, take away the ball, whatever the case may be. Um, so I think this is going to be a, a, a great litmus test for both the offense and the defense to come out of here with uh, with a two-year-old scheme and Lupo's defense against a new scheme and, and Will Stein's offense. Um, and, you know, lastly, I'll be interested to see if uh, – what coach, this is a separate storyline, but I thought I'd add it on as a little extra towards the end here of my speech. I just to see what coach whips out the bucket hat. Um, I think that's going to be a rite of passage for this spring game. I know Mario was the lead bucket hatter uh, during spring games when, or- when he was coaching Oregon. Um, Dan doesn't strike me too much as a hat guy. I don't think I've ever really seen him in one. But uh, bucket hats are here to stay now that it is officially spring and going into summer.
0: I think we, we're we going to make predictions officially in a minute. I think we should make some predictions now on bucket hats for, for Saturday. And, I, call and I call
2: Tosh. Tosh is going to say Tosh. Tosh. Okay.
0: okay. I would have, Tosh is a good pick. I've seen Demetrius Martin in a bucket hat at least twice this spring, so that's another another uh, guy I'll, I'll, I'll introduce to, to the conversation.
1: Drew Meringer, good option. I was going to say offensively, I was going to go maybe Drew Meringer. Um, I will take more analysts recruiting guys sporting oh. bucket hats than actual on-field
0: coaches taking bucket hats. Hmm. That's that's a good bet just because you have the numbers on your side. There are more of those people in general. There are way <laughs> more of those people. <laughs> so, dude, that's, that's probably good math.
1: Uh, real quick, Jared touched on something that I wanted to maybe just pull out just for a second and talk a little bit more about. How much that's of the like true offense do you think we'll get with Will Stein in this game? Like – Hmm. I remember the spring game last year in Dillingham. They were running trick plays. They were doing all this kind of stuff. And we were like, man, this is kind of kooky. Like, are they going to do this during the, the season? And then they did it during the season. Um, are we going to get that kind of feel walking away Saturday afternoon from Watson, where we're like, yeah, we're probably going to see some of this same stuff play out in the game. I, I think we will.
2: I think I think we will as well. I don't see any reason for it to not be Um, this is not Mario Cristobal against Fresno State where they're trying to hide plays for the matchup against Ohio State there's no reason not to have fun spring games while uh, people are going to come away with a lot of takeaways and some criticism of both the offense and the defense spring games that ultimately at the end of the day are there to be a fan experience it's just an extra practice it's in front of all all of the fans and it's supposed to generate uh, like charity and camaraderie between the groups and everything like that it's supposed to be fun and again with how often everybody has or a lot of players and coaches have talked about the similarities to the offense as it was last season yeah there should be trick plays there should be stuff like that there should be fun concepts there should be things that um when the pass is in the air the crowd is going to go, be going oh as the player is running down the field like that's that's the fun of it that's why Oregon went and got Kenny Dillingham. That's why Oregon went and got uh, Will Stein. Like That's their job. And so I I think whatever's going to be on display at the spring game, um, especially with Bo Nix at the helm, I think that's going to be what it looks like during the regular season.
0: Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. I think think the approach would be very similar. I I don't see a reason to deviate from what we saw last year, which was I think Kenny Dillingham kind of introducing himself to the odds and fateful to the anybody mm-hmm. who was watching, getting a sense. I know last year I felt like as a recruiting angle, there was some kind of momentum that was needed there of, okay, new guy, he's like 32 years old. What's this mm-hmm. offense going to look like? Comes out, you see it in the spring game, lots of passes downfield. As Matt said, you get some kind of, I don't know if I said trick plays, but some very creative looks and approaches you hadn't mm-hmm. seen. I, I expect we'll, we'll see Will Stein kind of want to sh- showcase at least some of that. Um, but again, I, I'm with Jared and kind of what we talked about all spring. I think the offense is going to look, at least schematically pretty darn similar to what we saw last fall. So I don't think it's going to feel like, whoa, this is completely new and and different, but I do think you're going to be like, ah, Will's, Will's got some, got some uh, tricks in his bag too, just like Kenny did.
1: All right. Next transition here. Uh, Offensive player to watch. Um, I've got, I'm cheating a lot on this exercise. Are you going to pick more than one, Matt?
0: (laughs) Of course you are. I've
1: said this before, these two guys. So that's, Kind of why I picked the second one. Um, offensive player to watch for me is Chris Hudson, Ted Johnson. They're on the same team. Um, this kind of goes into the storyline to watch because we've made a lot about, like, hey, they're competing against each other. Oregon brought in tez to compete with Chris to, to really help that position and elevate that position. But in this game, they're going to have to play together. And I think that was paired. By design to get these guys on the field and see what they look like in a game like situation playing together. Can it happen? I think it can. We'll learn more about that. Um, so that's my first one. And my, my bonus name, and that's why I'm cheating. Bonus name, uh, Dante Daddell um i i just want to see the big running back he's physically different than everyone else on the roster three. um it's three that's not even just
2: two it's three you have a bonus can you can you leave on, some matt. for the
1: rest of us i mean come on Jeez. We have to pick names you too. want bo
2: Nix too <laughs> how
0: about troy franklin hey sh- jared stop saying names these might be mine
2: <laughs> charlie picker yeah, i picked three guys respect. for one spot
0: yeah matt well maybe you get no defensive picks. i'm the captain now okay okay you're the captain uh, Yeah, yeah right, yeah um no, I, I actually no. I just talk, I think great point on the Tez Hudson thing and that was something I, I, I wanted to talk about at some point. Of I thought it was notable that they paired those guys together because as we said, coming into spring, it was like they're battling, it's the competition. And I while well, I think that's absolutely true and that they will be competing for playing time. I think getting a preview of how they might blend together because clearly that's something that they're interested in. I mean, that we saw that even I'm not gonna make too much out of it. In that fastball period, they were also working on the same group. So curious to see how that fits, how that works, just because I think You know, kind of from afar, you'd say, "Do you really want two under six-foot receivers out there together? How effective can you be doing that?" But I think Saturday gave us an idea, at least, of how those two can kind of blend together. I I, I agree. I think that's a good one. Um, You didn't say the name I really wanted to pick here, so I'm, 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 you you know, you you named forty-five guys, but you left a couple. Uh, I've got, I got Ty Thompson just because I think this means a lot. And because we, I think we almost always focus more on the quarterbacks than anybody else. Like that's always a big, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just how it goes and it makes sense. Um, And Ty has had about as polarizing of a start to a career as you could have where not long ago, people were were booing the starter and asking for him to be in the game. And then last year, because of how he played in, in mop-up duty, people are, you know, have turned on him entirely where people are, are kind of writing him off and, whether that's fair or not, I'm not going to be the one to you know legislate that. I would say, you know, I would say it isn't. But I think there's an opportunity for Ty to to showcase himself here. And you know, there's been positive things said publicly about how he's played this spring. I know that maybe we've heard a couple of things about the scrimmages that aren't like super encouraging about how he's performed. But how much do we take from that? I mean, we're not actually watching that. That's all like you know second and third hand information. Um, so yeah, I, I think Ty is somebody who. Gosh, I'm not ready to quit on him at all, and I feel like I'm kind of one of the few people, (laughs) maybe still in that in that group right now. But Saturday is an opportunity for him to showcase some of the things that that I think still make him a player capable of being a starting quarterback at Oregon in 2024, possibly. Like right, like I think that's kind of what's at stake for him. Obviously, he's not going to start this year. Uh, Bo Nix is here; that's not going to be a possibility. But for Ty, like. He's hung around for a reason. And if he can have a really strong spring game and then go into the fall and, and you know, whenever and whatever situations forces him to play, you know, perform at a high level, that would set him up to be, you know, kind of the the odds-on favorite, probably going into the 2024 spring camp, depending upon obviously future additions and what they choose to do in the portal and, and with prep stuff going forward. But I, I think this is a big, a big day for him. And you know, while I'm excited to see Asa Nova add for the first time, I think we all kind of have a sense that he's maybe third in this group and and probably won't get a whole lot of opportunity this fall. Ty's, I think, got an opportunity here to to sort of solidify himself as somebody that will be important to watch in the quarterback competition come next spring. And the inverse, of course, is if it's a disaster, that's going to really, really impact the narrative because what do we do all offseason coming off the spring game is we really nitpick the last thing we saw, which is going to be the spring game. So if he comes out and is just terrible again, there's going to be – that's what the narrative is going to be all the way until he enters a football game again sometime in the fall.
2: That would be very fitting for the Oregon fan base to do so. Uh, I, I think there's a clear name for me after going through the, the, the two rosters. Uh, it's Josh Connerly Jr. I think that's the clear offensive guy for me. You know, we, we watched him last season in that 14-J package. We watched him catch a, t- a touchdown against Colorado – um, we watched him from afar. It felt like he was on the field, but he was part of a bigger unit. No, like you know, pun intended. Whatever you want to do with them, it was a big group. 14 J personnel. That's that's four tight ends on the field with the offensive line, and so he wasn't really showcasing how what his true talents were, or if you know if he had them. This is going to be it. This is going to be the spring game where Josh Connerly is now on an island at left tackle, presumably going against whoever it is on the yellow team that decides to line up against him. And that could be guys like Brandon Dorliss. That could be a name. He could be getting Justin Jacobs off the edge, uh, Devin Jackson off the edge. There's a, a Mateo Uyongalale. That would be a fun matchup to watch. But I'm interested in this because, Connor, this offensive line, I, since I can't say it as the whole, I could maybe I could have said the whole offensive line, but they're split up. So it doesn't really do us much good. Um, and I'm not going to list five guys like Matt because I you know, respect the integrity of this program to not do so. Um, so Connerly is going to be my guy. And I think he's an extremely valuable piece because he's going to be Bo Nix's blindside protection. Everybody puts value on a left tackle and so am I. You're going to see it tonight in the NFL draft. A good offensive tackle is going to be extremely valuable. And I'm interested to see how good Josh Connerly really is because, you know, former five-star recruit gets all the praise talked uh this spring about like keeping his head down and keeping you know doing what he's trying to do and you know converting like strictly to football no longer playing basketball during the high school or during the season like he was in high school uh and i just want to see him perform i just want to see what he looks like when he's out there and he's by himself on an island at left tackle and just to see if this is if this is going to be the guy who's going to solidify the left side of the offensive line for the next two seasons
1: Well, guys, I, I, I hate to do this. <laughs> if you pick no, we, more we, we than are one.
0: Not, you are not doing this, Matt. I'm leaving. Oh, we're going to go to break. We're going to okay. go to break. I, I did know. not pick one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: All right. We're, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll finish up the podcast for the defensive player to watch or more here on the Alton Audible's podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. Uh, no, I'm not taking the entire linebacker core. I'm taking one guy from the linebacker core, and that's Jamal Hill for the defensive player to watch. Um, it's a move that's happened during the spring, went from nickel safety, whatever you want to call him, because he's played both during his time here at Oregon. Um, now it's a linebacker, his 300 ups a day workout regime has Packed on the pounds. I'm sure other things have helped that process as well with eating right and other weightlifting activities. Um, But he looks different. He plays a different position. Um, And this is a position that whether it's been transfer or graduation or a guy going pro looks entirely different from what it did this time last season. Um, There are just six linebackers on the, the roster this season for the ducks. Uh and I'm I'm just curious to see where he look how he looks how how well he plays at this position. Is it a good fit or could we be some seeing some more tinkering uh in the offseason with Jamal Hill because he's certainly a player that's that's got the athleticism, he's got the strength, but we just haven't really seen him play a true linebacker position. He's played at the line of scrimmage before. Um he's done well at that spot. I'm just excited to see Jamal Hill play at the linebacker spot somehow your defensive
0: pick makes me more mad than your offensive pick because that was my
1: guy that was
0: Ah. that was was right where I was going um yeah and I won't even go into too much of it because I think Matt did a good job covering it like it's just interesting to see this a guy who I think has been a pretty darn good defensive player for the most part for his three years previous year now at a different spot in a spot that's really valuable I'm going to pick another player at his position group and that's Justin Jacobs um Hope that it wasn't Jared's guy. Uh, I left you Jordan Birch though, so I feel like I'm, I'm being generous.
2: Justin is my guy. I do like him a lot, but okay. thank you. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I was just like, it's been an interesting camp with him because it seems like he's been close to, like, full go the whole time, which is something we weren't sure going in. But there wasn't, I don't want to say there wasn't much buzz, but there certainly was, like, we didn't see enough where I guess we could really get too much, you know, level of excitement. But what Dan was talking about from last spring or sorry from last Saturday's scrimmage and I think it was Dante Manning just talking about the athleticism and how impressive of a play Justin made to intercept a pass at the line of scrimmage and I I'm just really intrigued by who he is and I know as Matt's point there are not a lot of linebackers left on this roster especially after uh Wednesday which was a tough day for the from portal perspective I know they only lost one linebacker there but that brings them down to basically a three deep they have six scholarship linebackers right now which is or players that we at least think are playing there maybe we'll see some different things on on saturday i guess that could be by the way a storyline as well just to not to go too far on this of like we might see players moving around like who's who's gonna be filling in at tight end unexpectedly is there somebody who will be working at linebacker we're not expecting we obviously know some of the defensive backs could be working around um so that'll be something also to watch from a storyline perspective but yeah, back to Jacobs. Like, I I'm really high on who he is as a player. I was going into spring. I was curious where he was from a physical perspective. Like I wasn't sure we'd even get to watch him in a spring game necessarily, given the nature of an injury he had last fall. The fact that we're getting opportunity is exciting, and and honestly, he needs to be a guy. Like he need this. This has to be a hit, and if it's not a hit, it's really concerning. And everything we've heard over the last week or so is like he is a guy. He's gonna like he's really impressive. When Noah Whittington. Uh, you know, made those comments I referenced earlier about the defense looking better. He had a list of players, and I think Justin was like the first guy he brought up. It was like the guy that stood up was, like, "This guy's impressive. He's one of the players that I've been impressed with this this spring." So, that's just a name that I'm focused in on, along with Jamal Hill. And like, strangely, I think I went, I think I felt like I went into spring thinking I'd be really dialed in at what was going on at corner and some of the secondary spots. I think I'm probably most focused in on linebacker defensively right now, just because there are some real question marks and concerns about like who fits here and and all of that. And and then the depth component, like I said earlier, Justin has to be a guy. I think he will be. Um, And I'm just excited to see what it looks like on Saturday for the first time.
2: Love Justin. I think he's going to be a wonderful player here at Oregon. Really high on him at Iowa, so I think that's a really good pick. Uh, There's a couple options here. Uh, Again, for the sake of the integrity of the podcast, I'm only going going to go with one. Uh, and that's Jordan Birch. I have to pick Jordan Birch. Uh, he's still on the draft board. He was my number one overall pick. He's fallen to me at three, so I have to do it. Um, my second pick was Taishim Johnson, and I'm just excited to watch him play. And then the third pick was Evan Williams. So luckily I still have still have some draft capital behind me for our next round. But yeah, no, Jordan Birch is, is the, the I would say, the crown jewel of this transfer portal class. It uh, comes a bit later than everybody else. Um, some five star transfer from or former five star recruit transfer from South Carolina had a, I guess, a less than stellar career at South Carolina through three seasons, although he was met with five star expectations. We all know how that goes. Cough, cough, Ty Thompson, uh, cough, cough, a lot of other five stars that have come through Oregon and other programs in the country. Um, but he was still very he was still productive there. There's no no denying that. Uh, in his final season at South Carolina, he had over 40 quarterback hurries that were recorded by PFF. Shout out Dan. Um, that's 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 good. You add those along with Brandon Dorless's 42 hurries. It's 82 hurries from two guys. And now suddenly those two two players are on the same team and on the same defensive line. Um, I was really hoping that Jordan Birch would be going against Josh Connerly at some point tomorrow, or excuse me, Saturday. Uh, but he is not. They are on two separate teams, so we'll have to see Jordan Birch go against somebody else, and um, I'm not sure who that's going to be. But I mean, I could see this being a very similar to performance to what DJ Johnson did last season uh, at the spring game, which was against Bailey Jaramillo, who is. You know, walk on tackle who's not uh, the most fleet of foot. But Jordan Birch is a significantly more prepped and better player than DJ Johnson. And he's got a lot more moves uh, every time we've asked a coach about him or a player about him. Uh, he's just driven. He's just gotten rave reviews just saying that how how much of an athlete he is. How explosive he is! What how deep his tool bag is, or his or his bag in general to get to the quarterback. Um, we'll we'll talk to Coach Tuioti today so we can get a little little bit more of an in depth answer. But um, you know, uh, two Oregon players have compared him so far. One compared him to Jadavion Clowney, which was his high school comp coming out of the 2020 class, and the other compared him to Kayvon Thibodeau, and then quickly walked it back. But similar traits they see in the athleticism portion of his game, and I'm excited to see it because. Lord knows that Oregon needs a pass rush after last season where they had the lowest sack total since was it 1986. I think we did the research months ago at this point, but that number still remains in my brain. Um, that's bad. It's just not good. And when you only had one guy and he was an interior player and in, in Brandon Dorliss and DJ Johnson was fine in spurts, but not over the course of the season, they need a pass rush. And Jordan Birch is got a lot of weight on his shoulders to be that dude, to be the main pass rusher. But. I think he's capable. And I think against Pac 12 competition this season and pac 12 competition in the spring game, he's gonna showcase his talents.
0: Um one just one thing. Feope probably
2: drawing that competition with Jordan. Probably, which is I would guess which is fine. I think Feope is a good player. Uh, yeah. I don't really like him at tackle, but you know, I think mean, well, he, I maybe he I, shuts I, down Jordan Burch and becomes Oregon's starting right tackle over Johnny think- Cornelius. I
0: don't think that happens, but I just like, I'm, I'm, that's actually a guy I'm kind of curious not to take too much time on, but that could, that's a big matchup for him to go against your best pass rusher. And, and Philp has been working at left tackle primarily this spring. That's why I suggest he might be there a year ago. Mm-hmm. He got some of the DJ Johnson matchups that failed that, you know, fail and Bailey Bailey, I think was the one who really got brutalized, but I think Feiope also matched against DJ and maybe didn't win very many. Uh, Let's just see. I think it'll be interesting to see from a progress perspective because there's there's been some like his body looks just different than it looked mm-hmm. previously. So I'm I'm encouraged there, but it could be a it could be a tough Saturday for for Big fail Bay.
2: Yeah, and that's why I wanted one v ones. Yeah, same. Because I think it would have been a lot more a lot more fun if Birch and Dorlis were going against Cornelius and Connerly and JPJ and people like that. But it's all right.
1: I was just gonna say, like, what what do we have to see to, to walk away defensively to be like, yeah, that's marked improvement? Because, like you just said, Jared, it's not one v one; it's gonna be yeah. some mismatch. Um, we're gonna get cases where we're gonna get a walk on playing against a scholarship player, and mm-hmm. if it's certain scholarship players, that could be very advantageous for that player. Uh, yeah. So I I, I guess this gonna be hard to, to differentiate what's Okay, that was a really good play because it's a really good player, just because of the level of competition, and that's that's going to be the hard thing for the judge.
0: I think for me, it's just focusing on those individual matchups and who's a part mm-hmm. of them. So, like I, like again, last year DJ Johnson had four sacks and five and a half tackles for loss, but I think like he was matched up with Bailey Jarlen Bell and Feope right. for most of the game, but Bailey for a lot of it, like. That's that's that. I don't want to take anything away from that. And I think that's something that we'll have to be careful with when we come out of the spring game and and after rewatching it a couple of times of being like, okay, what actually was impressive in terms of like this is a guy facing another guy because I can't remember who who it was last year, but there was also a I think a long touchdown or a long completion. Where it was a walk on safety and like man coverage against like a scholarship receiver, and I can't remember the specifics of it, but like don't don't watch that and go, man, that scholarship receiver's really taken a huge step, and he just burnt that kid who was playing at you know like Westland high School last year up in
2: Isaiah Bravard yeah
0: I, yeah, whatever well, yeah, whatever it was, but like don't yeah, I mean if, if it was if, that, that would be a good example if it had been Isaiah Braveheart, where it's like a guy who didn't end up making any contribution. so like I think when you're watching it as a as a fan and certainly while we're watching it, it, it's important to like just focus on like where the where you think the talent is, I guess, focused most, and then whatever sort of outcomes there are, are more important because that's a good point by Matt. The, the, the field will be a split, especially as we get further into the game between walk-ons and scholarship players. And at a certain point here, it's it, it doesn't mean as much because, yeah, as we've said before, DJ absolutely obliterates <laughs> Bailey Jaramillo last year in all offseason, like, you know, even Dan after the spring game rightfully props up his guys. Like he's going to be one of the best. He has the chance to be one of the best guys in the country. And while he had a solid final season, I don't think anybody comes away even suggesting that was even close to what the, you know, the outcome was.
1: All right. Offensive predictions. Um, I'll have one where collectively between the two groups, uh, Oregon's offenses will throw for 400 plus yards. Uh, in this football game, five touchdown passes between the two of them. Uh, and to get a little bit deeper, we'll see a lot of Ty Thompson and Austin to do this. I, I don't think we're going to see much of of Bo. Bo will play probably the equivalent of one quarter's worth of reps. And then the other two guys will basically get the, the bulk of the load. This is like what Eric said uh, early, way earlier in the show. This is, we know what Bo can do. We want to see what Bo can Knows the offense, plays, you know, plays clean. Um, but the spring game is all about figuring out what Ty and Austin can do in game situations and getting those guys those reps.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. I, I, I'll be curious to see, by the way, like how much bow do we see? Um, you know, obviously he's going to play, but I would agree with Matt that I imagine that's a series, maybe two series, at most three. I don't think there's a lot of value of like playing him for four quarters on a, you know, even last year, I think he, he, well, how much i don't know how much he played after the first three quarters i think didn't, didn't they kind of remove him a little bit there and it was mostly jay and Tyley I, I don't I have to go back and watch um mine kind of falls in a similar line of thinking here and and that's i, I think both true freshman running back are going to find the end zone um you know and and to that point like bucky irving and no whittington are, are separated as you would expect and I don't think either of those guys are going to play much past the first or second or third series either. And I think that provides opportunity for a Dante Dowdall um, and for um, Jaden Lamar to, to to get more opportunity to maybe to punch it in. And uh, those two players we should know, I think are on the same team actually. Uh, so that will make things a little more difficult. difficult. They're both on green team. Um, I was just confirming that right now. So maybe that gets in the way of it, but at the same time, I just think that the ball is going to be, you know, spread around more as we get into this game. And, and I guess the thing I'm worried about with making these predictions is, is a lot of points scored means two things. That means the defense probably didn't have a great day, but it also means, like, are we overlooking predictions based on running clock? Like, there might not even be enough possessions for some of these predictions mm-hmm. to come true. Not that they don't have time for two freshman running backs to score, but – don't I don't. This isn't going to be a game where there's like nine offensive possessions for both teams. I don't think. I think it's going to be a little yeah. bit, a little bit more condensed of a of a day than that. But I still like both those guys, and and I'm really excited to watch both of them play. And I'm hoping for my prediction, they both get the end zone.
2: Yeah, the running clock thing kind of stinks, but you know, I don't I don't make the rules. I just follow them. Uh, for my prediction, I'm going Tez Johnson and Tracey Holden. Both have long touchdown passes or receptions, I should say uh long i'll set the over under at like 35 and a half and i'll take the over so they're going to be over 35 yards uh touchdown receptions these are two guys that have uh that dan has referenced multiple times as as uh two receivers who brought down long touchdown passes during scrimmages and practices uh i think every time that tez johnson gets mentioned uh speed is always the, the leading topic uh he's just going to be a really fast guy out there and i know that sounds pretty Pretty rudimentary and you know not very in depth and stuff like that. But hey, you know sometimes speed kills. Uh, sometimes you just can't teach quickness like that. And I think that's going to be the case with Tez Johnson. I think uh, he overall is going to open a lot of eyes for the fans who are watching the game. Uh, I think he's going to be really productive this season at Oregon, especially in this Will Stein offense. And for Trayshawn Holden, uh, you know this is a new this is a new outlook for him. He gets to Oregon after transfer from Alabama. Uh, this is an opportunity for him to make. Make sure that he is the starting Z receiver come spring or excuse me, come fall. And what better way to do it than to catch a long touchdown pass from I don't remember who team he's on from Ty Thompson, because I don't know what team. What better opportunity to catch a touchdown pass from a quarterback over 35 Bo. yards into the end zone? Bo. He's on, he's on both team. Even yeah. better, even better. But Bo Bo is going to throw a ball over 35 yards to Treshawn Holden in the end zone. And uh, that's my prediction. Both
0: those guys. One, sorry, Matt, but one more thing. One thing I am disappointed with in the
2: split is Bo and
0: Tez are on different teams, so we don't get to see that connection until fall. That was something that I was just kind of thinking would be a fun little. The whole Saturday. split
2: is disappointing. Yeah, there's some. I, well, I can't I, get over
0: it. There, I think the teams are actually more even, other than the fact that one has Bo Nix, which means that that team's probably going to be the better team, unless he only plays like a series and then maybe not. But. Yeah, some of the some of the matchups I think we were most excited about we're not we're not getting, which is which
2: is no. just kind of disappointing. And it's probably because uh we, we can't have the ones v ones out there. It's too much information that's that's getting away to the general public.
1: Can't have it. Mm-mm. No, sir. All right. Defensive prediction here. Um I'm going Jamal Hill. I think he's gonna have the buzz that DJ Johnson had last year. I'm not saying the production. He's not going to go for like four or five sacks in this game, but I think Jamal Hill is going to be the guy that a lot of people are going to be talking about, whether it's us three, whether it's other people in the media or probably most of the fans walking away from the spring game defensively and really being impressed with Jamal Hill. Um, And I think he's going to have a good game. Um, How do we quantify a good game? I I, I think he'll get at least one and a half tackles for loss. Um, I think he'll have potentially like half a sack or something if they count sacks uh, in this game, Um, maybe a pass deflection or two and he'll probably have somewhere uh, above five tackles uh, in in this game. Um, So I I think Jamal Hill is going to be a guy that that we're going to be um, talking a lot about and, I have one other name that i want to throw out there um it's not a defensive prediction it's i just think i think people are going to talk about solomon davis's speed um <laughs> as a freshman uh i was really impressed when you, when you watch his film um when he signed with oregon um i just think this is going to be a dude that's going to be similar in the light of, of jamal we're going to talk about how fast he is
0: they better keep track of sacks because that's exactly where, where my prediction is going. Um, you know, uh, I'm predicting eight or more combined, which is probably low. If you think about it, it's two teams, but I'm also factoring in the running clock part where I just don't know how much we'll see. Uh, sacks are obviously easier in this game because uh, you are touch the quarterback. He's down. They're not gonna, there's not going to be full contact. Don't worry, guys. Bo shouldn't get hurt in this game. Uh, he shouldn't be hit. Should, there should not be full contact on him. If there is, someone's going to be in the doghouse very soon. Um but I, I picked eight as a number because like last year was brutal and they had five was the most they had in a single game all of last year. DJ had four alone last year. I think the fact, I mean, getting to the Jordan Birch point that we made earlier, like that's sort of similar. There's, you know, to, to what we saw with DJ in terms of he's not going against the first team left tackle. And this is an opportunity for him to unleash. Um, and again, he'll probably be faced up with. You know, Feope is a name there. I'm just trying to look through some of the more other offensive linemen who might be playing tackle there. Michael Wooten is over there. Uh, Johnny Cornelius is on that team, but I imagine he'll be playing where he's played all spring, which is on the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, like, shoot, if, if, if I, it would be great if they could just throw him at left tackle or, or find a way to make those two match up, because that would be a great matchup to watch as well. Um, I just don't know if I see it based upon where those two line up. Typically, and I don't know if they're going to like <laughs> throw a guy at left tackle who's typically a right tackle just for us. I don't think that's something
2: they'll do. I don't think so.
0: But uh, yeah, I'll say eight sacks, and I think Birch is going to have the most.
2: That's a it's a lot of sacks. I, again, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it were to happen. Uh, I think Oregon's defense comes away with. Four takeaways. I was going in between three and four. Uh, it's, it sounds like from, from Dan that that Oregon's offense is having trouble holding on to the ball. There's been quite a few interceptions during some scrimmages going on. Um, and with the guys that they've brought in, I think it's just going to continue. I think this defense is going to be a lot faster and more physical than, than what people remember Oregon's defense coming from last season. Um, whether it be Justin Jacobs or Tysham Johnson or Evan Williams, not to be confused with Bennett Williams, or the emergence of Kyrie Jackson as a true number one corner, or Triquist Bridges playing safety or whatever that is, um, which is another good storyline just to see where everybody lines up positionally for the defensive back, or for the excuse me for the secondary. But I think that this team is going to play fast. And I think there's going to be some hiccups with the offense, maybe with, the, with Ty Thompson, maybe with Austin Sad, maybe with Matt Rush when he gets in the game after Ty sits down. Uh, I think there's going to be some opportunities. I'm not saying that they're all going to come against Bo Nicks. I'm not saying that they're all going to come against Ty. Um, I just think there's going to be some opportunities. And you're going to see a lot of guys who don't normally get real game reps jump into an environment where it feels similar to a real game. Uh, I think there's going to be, again, some opportunities for the defense to create some turmoil and some turnovers. And so I got at least four going to the defense. Um, I think Justin Jacobs is a guy who could get an interception. Uh, He got an interception in the last scrimmage. We've talked about him on this podcast, but just how athletic he is and uh, how impressive impressive people have talked about him. Um, So I'm looking forward to just seeing what he does out there in coverage. And then I, I could sure see some type of a fumble recovery by a defensive lineman as well um but i also just quick quick uh quick extra like matt uh devin jackson i think mm-hmm. he's gonna be a guy that people come away with and say oh that's something that's something over there
0: can i have an extra uh, yeah yeah, go for it my extra is how does don essek pronounce the new guy's names that's my <laughs> oh, other thing please. i'm excited about and I'm it's yeah. I'm especially interested in in Luke Dunn or Luke Dunny.
2: What? what how do you pronounce it? Joe Doring, not Dunny. You don't think so? Joe Doring. No, was, it's oh, a nickname. Dunny? It's it's Dunny. Yeah, it's like you calling so? uh, when someone's Michael calling him Mikey.
1: We'll see.
0: I don't know. I'm don't curious. Know. Uh, that one perked my interest just the way he said it. So because he kind of correct. It sounded like he was almost correcting the pronunciation from. From our good friend jared denny which is the pronunciation we've all been using which is done so uh, I'm, I'm 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 curious on that one but i'm more in general just kind of tongue-in-cheek like don now has a list of names he's never seen before i'm sure he's prepped a couple of them none of them are that difficult i don't think but he can make some of those names difficult he makes these ones
2: sound difficult you forget
0: so, like how how easy does Austin Novisad come off the off the tongue for Don on Saturday? That's a that's one that we'll we'll have to see how that goes.
2: What about the, the Lulu brothers?
0: Well, how much are you talking about those offensive linemen on the PA?
2: Though? Uh, I mean, one of them's going to start. What about Mateo Uyangalale?
0: That would be the one right there. That would be very exciting to watch happen in real time if he has the first time he makes a play. I think let, those listening take very clear interest to hear how. Don tries to pronounce that one. And I don't even blame Don that much for butchering that name because that's a really hard name that we've had a hard time with for years. But hopefully he's done his homework. That's a name he's probably going to be saying a lot over the next three to four seasons. Hopefully. This podcast is done, <laughs> <laughs> And I love Don. I'm a big Don guy here. Just, this is just a thing that we – I mean, it's tongue-in-cheek. I think everybody it's understands. It's hard. Don, Don, if if people have
2: been to basketball games, they've seen it it's uh well, it's not pretty it's it's not pretty but uh he is the he's voice he's been Thompson doing this Stadium. for for 60 too years long what what oh. was that what who said that what okay. no
1: <laughs> yeah. oh you said
2: oh that oh, went right said, over eric's head he didn't hear it he, you you said he's been doing this and i said too long and uh yeah you just well, kept going I,
0: well I, I i just i just wanted to make sure it, it comes across that we're not being entirely disrespectful for him because i i do have a lot of appreciation for what he's done it's just a, towards the end of everyone's career the you know the wheels kind of come off a little bit and some of the some of the stuff hasn't been great but that's that was the whole thing's tongue-in-cheek we love don we, you know I, I i know it's frustrating at times but there's there's the when he stopped being the pa voice that will be of that will thoroughly stand out um the person might do a little better job pronouncing names and stuff but There's a lot of sentimental value for what he's provided this school for, again, like (laughs) more than half a century.
1: Uh, Real quick, Jared, yours, uh, your defensive prediction, I actually had the similar uh, pick just to maybe give you some confidence that you're on along the same lines. I had three three turnovers, and I felt like that was maybe a little too low. So your four pick was good. I, I appreciate we'll that. I had the same it. thing, and I made it audible right before right before I did it. it was um, an audible. Yeah, I mean,
2: it was an awesome audible. Uh, yeah, I think the, I think the turnover is just going to happen. It's going to be a spring game. N- nothing's going to be beautiful. I, I well, I, at least I don't think that everything's going to go great. There's going to be some mistakes, and uh, I think the guys that Oregon has brought onto the team are guys who capitalize on mistakes, which is. Something that they did at points last season, but need to do more this year. And I think that these are the guys to do it. So give me four, four total.
0: I almost feel like it's a bad sign if there aren't some takeaways. Because we've yeah, talked 100%. so much about this defense. Yeah. Like, we know the offense. We know we know when Bo Nix is at quarterback based upon last year. He that the offense does a really good job of protecting the football. I think it's under the radar that like Oregon's running backs didn't fumble it at all last year, which is like that just doesn't happen very frequently. But if the defense can't force anything in this game, especially going against, as we've said, some backup quarterbacks like Ty Thompson. We know he's a little bit turnover prone. I wouldn't be surprised if Austin Novosad has a hard time. I know Dan kind of suggested he might have had a hard first scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these walk on players who touch the football, like, yeah, I think we should you'd almost no you don't want to root for turnovers. I know it's a scrimmage, but I think if we came away on Saturday being like, Yeah, oh, the offense never turned it over and like but basically scored every time, we'd be like, That's a not a great thing.
2: Not great. Not great. Can, uh, can I break some news here at the end of the podcast? Go for it. If you made it this Sir far, Mel's, you deserve
1: breaking news. Sir Mel's
2: portal. Okay. So Add okay. them to the list. That's all I got.
0: That's I, keep, news I got. The ducks are very much going to be buyers of the portal. They are well under 85 for the first time in a minute.
1: I was actually updating that today. Um, Let's just do this real quick live on the recording podcast. Let's I am the leading Sir Mel is from the depth chart.
0: While you do that, I want to tell telephone. Eighty two scholarship about, players. Eighty-two. So they have three right now, and I wouldn't be I surprised would imagine if
1: there's there gonna be more. more. Yeah. So
0: they have room to add at least three, and I think we all agree probably more.
1: How many uh, sophomores do you guys feel like are on the team?
2: Uh, six or seven.
0: Yeah, it's not very many because that twenty-one class just uh, is gone. You can yeah.
1: count it on one hand. Yeah, there's five guys: five? Ty Thompson, Jordan James, Josh Connolly Jr., Khalil Florence, Kamari Terrell.
0: He's, those are true. Those Wait, are true no. sophomores. There's also redshirt. Yeah. Just, sophomores. just oh. sophomores in general. Like, just sophomores oh, in general. Oh. Yeah, the, the, those I'm are like, a combination I'm of 21, and 22. Class. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, just yeah. sophomores in general. Five yeah. guys.
0: Can I uh, embarrass myself by telling my Sir Mel story really quick in honor of his departure? <laughs> <laughs> in honor, yeah. Just cause if when you else would I get to yourself, I do that? <laughs> it, it, you know, I do a lot of interviews and uh, I don't think I I've, I've never made this mistake before, but as Sir and I were finishing a wonderful uh, interview after he had committed to Oregon sometime a couple of years ago. I wonder if he picked up on it. Hopefully he hung up before. I, I told him I loved him, you know, just because that interview went so darn well. You know, it was a complete mistake. It was out of habit of, of, of talking to, uh, you know, family, loved ones. And uh, and I just want to make sure Sir knows that even though he's left Oregon, I still love him. He is loved. Yeah. There's That's love serious. out there for you, uh,
1: You're very... Uh... Good on you, Eric, for having the the confidence to share that message. <laughs> I think I well, that.
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's only because it's a mistake, and it wasn't like me sincerely. If I have told him at the end of the interview, like sincerely, like, sir, I've come to love you based upon this five minute interaction, I wouldn't be sharing that because that would be that would be embarrassing. But this is embarrassing too, but in a different way.
2: That I would be say. that would be a lot of things, but <laughs> embarrassing is of, definitely one of them.
0: There would be a lot one. of things to unpack, Jared. After that, yeah. Oh no. boy.
1: All right. That's gonna do it for us now. Uh on the Odds and Audibles Podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh we'll be back, I'm assuming Saturday afternoon-ish evening yeah. when we record a post-game podcast uh from the spring game. But until then, you've been listening to the Odts and Audibles Podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.
0: Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Wait, Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready.
2: go make snacks. For sure, Regina, yeah.
0: For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way.
2: No one dies.
0: Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.